you know, progesterone is linked to the progestation hormones. People always just link it for pregnancy, right? It's needed to, for a successful pregnancy. It's also needed to have, a, you know, an ovulation. So once you essentially ovulate and your body produces the corpus luteum, you're going to produce an abundance of progesterone to help support the implantation of an egg if you want or do get pregnant. <laughs> do you get pregnant? Um, and, and that's essentially its purpose, right? So that it's going to be protective and it's going to help someone basically get through pregnancy and you're going to produce copious amounts about, I think it's like 300 milligrams a day when you're pregnant of progesterone. So again, it's very, very protective. So I think a lot of people think, well, it's, I only need it if I'm going to get pregnant. And, but here's the deal. I mean, there's so many protective properties of progesterone. Um, essentially, you know, progesterone is essentially the foundational hormone of all your other steroidal hormones. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today, I'm joined by our good friend and author of How to Heal Your Metabolism, Kate Deering. I get a heap of questions about progesterone and how you can support your body to improve progesterone production. So in this episode, we talk about all things progesterone and more specifically, the repercussions of not having a menstrual cycle, why having a real period and ovulating is so important, the importance of progesterone throughout the body, the protective functions of progesterone, the temperature, ovulation and progesterone connection, menopause and progesterone and why it's a myth menopausal symptoms are caused by a lack of estrogen and how you can support your body to detoxify estrogen and support it to make more progesterone. But before we dive into the podcast, I wanted to talk about our next four-week break-free challenge, which starts on the 7th of June. We run these challenges a few times a year, and I absolutely love doing them because we just get to help so many women. So if you're a woman who's been following me for a while and you're implementing the pro-metabolic eating, but you're not getting the results you want, or you're, say, new to following me and you want help getting started, then the challenge is perfect for you. When you join the challenge, we help you set starting macros and calorie targets. Then we work with you throughout the challenge to help you refine them, to find what works best for your body. You get meal plans, a food list, a recipe book, and approved foods database by country. You also get meal planning and coaching workshops. So we teach you how to build your own meal plans that work for your body. You get a weekly check-in with a coach where we actually review your data and nutrition and give you specific advice to help you progress towards your goals. You get an online training program with a full video exercise library, as well as the option to upgrade to a fully customized training program. You get your own private training channel. This is where you can upload your training videos for feedback and you get personalized video feedback from Craig and our coaches. You get supplement plans, you get discounts, you get coaching calls with Craig, myself and the team. You get access to educational videos on some of the most common metabolic issues, as well as six-day-a-week support via our comms platform Slack. You get all of this for a very low price of $149 Australian dollars. That's right, a one-off payment of $149 Australian dollars. The challenge is open worldwide. So whatever your country you're in, you can absolutely join. All the workshops and trainings are recorded. So that if you can't make them live, you can always watch them back when it suits you. Just remember, we only run these challenges a few times a year. So I'm going to pop the link in the show notes so you can grab your spot today. Now let's get into the podcast. Okay. 
Kate Deering, How to Heal Your Metabolism. Welcome back. Everyone knows who you are. You probably need no introduction. <laughs> You're very yeah, famous now, Kate. Always, always new people, always new people. That is true. So for those of you who don't know Kate, she is awesome. Um, she lives in the US. She's all the way over the other side of the world. Um, she is, are you 48? No, 49, 48. Yeah, 48. Because we have, we have a, our birthday is one day apart. Yeah. So but I'm sort of on the years, sa- same I'm day. nine years older than you. Yeah. Yeah. And Kate um, is author of How to Heal Your Metabolism, which is an awesome book that I recommend everyone should read. It's, um, I think it just, when you get into this pro-metabolic eating world, it really is, makes it much easier to understand. It's it's really simplified. So if you don't have that book, um, get it. You can buy it from our website. There's a 10% link down in the show notes, or you can get it on um, Audible now, which is awesome which I think, or Amazon. So there's lots of different places you can um, you can get it, buy it, because I want her to stop doing consults so she can write a second book about sugar. So she's got to sell a certain amount. So, that she can. so we've set that goal. Because <laughs> I'm really, you need to write the sugar book, Kate. Yeah, I have a lot. I have a few yeah. like in my brain, you know, that needs to happen. It's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big baby to have. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, it's just we need the sugar book. I feel every day. It's just I'm defending sugar every day. <laughs> someone said to me, I can't. There was some comment on one of my posts. Oh, you must be supported by the sugar industries or something. They must be like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's You're crazy. Like, I should, I should be, <laughs> but I am not. But I should have shares in Bloody Nerdy. I, I don't. I don't. There's no affiliate link to <laughs> the, sugar. the sugar companies. I should do actually. I should get onto them, and I should buy shares in Nudie Nudie Juice. Not only because we just drink so much of it, but you know, I recommend it to everyone. I know you don't have that in the states, but what's a good brand of just hundred percent juice in the states? Uh, there is Matt's Organic Orange Juice. It's pretty popular here, but mm. I've literally switched to getting fresh squeeze from my local grocer here. And ever since I've done that, I cannot drink anything else. I mean, mm-hmm. there is really such a difference. And because I drink it so quickly and, and I drink so much of it, it's like, I don't, you know, I, I want it to taste really good. And it does, um, but it's an expensive habit. I 100% agree with you on the fresh juice. So Craig and I bought this like hand juicer and we started juicing our own orange oranges. And it is a little bit tedious but then after we did it, we were like, oh, this is, I was sitting on the couch the other night and I was like, we just, we need to go back to that juice that we were doing. I said, it, I know it's annoying, but I'm like, surely we can come up with a better system to like, you know, maybe we just juice like four liters at a time or something. We can set up like a little assembly line, <laughs> but you're right. It, it, you can taste the difference. Totally. Or you pay somebody to do that for you. I mean, it's, you know, you pay a premium, but a, I know. That- I know idea. I'm not going to do it. It's just because it's too messy and it's, you know, time consuming. So I just buy them freshly squeezed. It's great. There was a great place in Brisbane, a grocer that had one of those big orange juice squeezy things that we used to go to, but I haven't been able to find anywhere on the Gold Coast. There's a place at Burley, but you can only buy it like if they deliver it already frozen, like they fr- squeeze it fresh and then freeze it. And I've tried it and it still doesn't taste as good as the fresh. So maybe we'll have to either drive down to Burley to buy it each week, or that's a good idea, paying someone to squeeze it. <laughs> or just make Craig do it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. It's like it's like nectar of the gods, fresh orange juice. Every so funny, every time we have dinner and the freshly squeezed, I'll sit and I'm like, 
Craig's just like, you are so, I'll sit there and go, oh my God, I just love OJ. This is just the best. Isn't this is the best, Craig? He's like, every time you sit there and tell me. <laughs> every time. It is. How much you love it. It's delicious. We should do a podcast on our issues and all the great benefits of it, but we'll save that for next time. Anyway, today we're talking about progesterone, the amazing progesterone. So maybe should we start, because um, I did this post the other week and what triggered it was some some clients asking me about like that um why about I'm just trying to think how it all started basically it was about hormonal contraception and they were like well what does it matter if I don't get my period kitty what you know I'm not planning on getting pregnant so you know like what are the repercussions of not actually getting a menstrual cycle so perhaps we could first start off by talking about what is progesterone and how is it made in the body so that women can understand why having right. a period is important, a real period yeah. and ovulating. Yeah. Right. I mean, and well, and, and the reason is because, you know, progesterone is linked to the progestation hormones or people always just link it for pregnancy, right? It's needed to, for a successful pregnancy. It's also needed to have a, you know, an ovulation. So once you essentially ovulate and your body produces the corpus luteum, you're going to produce an abundance of progesterone to help support the implantation of an egg. If you, want or do get pregnant, <laughs> do get pregnant. Um, and, and that's essentially its purpose, right? So that it's going to be protective and it's going to help someone basically get through pregnancy and you're going to produce copious amounts about, I think it's like 300 milligrams a day when you're pregnant of progesterone. So again, mm-hmm. it's very, very protective. So I think a lot of people think, well, it's, I only need it if I'm going to get pregnant. And, mm-hmm. but here's the deal. I mean, there's so many protective properties of progesterone. Um, essentially, you know, progesterone is essentially the foundational hormone of all your other steroidal hormones. So when you kind of look at how hormones are produced, it essentially goes cholesterol, pregnenolone, progesterone, and then everything else, estrogen, testosterone, aldosterone are all basically being produced from progesterone. So, and it, so it has its own set of functions that are very protective Um, and based on your physiology, it kind of, you know, this is where I always refer to the magic of progesterone. It's a, it's a very much of an equalizing hormone because it basically, if you need more of one hormone or less of one hormone, adding progesterone can kind of adjust that. So I'll give you an example. If you are, uh, low in cortisol, right? Because cortisol is produced from progesterone and basically increasing progesterone can support cortisol production, right? And that happens when you are essentially low in cortisol, meaning like Addison's disease as a low cortisol state. So additional progesterone increases it. And so that you, you're getting the cortisol you essentially need. Now, if the, if you have the reverse, something like Cushing's disease, where you have excessively high amounts of cortisol, taking progesterone or adding progesterone can actually lower that cortisol. So it can equalize depending on what your body needs. And so, you know, one of the thoughts behind that is, is if you are actually high in cortisol, and this is what some doctors recommend, but it's proved to not be true, is if you take progesterone and you are high in cortisol, it'll actually produce more cortisol. And that just isn't what happens. Again, it's kind of equalizes it. So it essentially equalizes that out it'll bring quarter or it'll basically stay in the progesterone for equalizing those hormones out so that you actually feel less stressed or, you know, as they always say, it, it, it works in 
balancing your blood sugar or balancing how your body functions. Because again, it has a function in things like aldosterone as well, which is correlated to your regulating salt or salt metabolism. And then again with cortisol, which is very much involved in sugar metabolism. So taking something like progesterone can help regulate both of those hormones. And that's why we use it if you want to regulate blood sugar or even salt in the blood. Um, both of those or taking progesterone can help with that. So can you talk about then, let's go back to um, ovulation. So ovulation is important. So how would a woman know, or can you talk about the temperature shift from the follicular phase to the luteal phase, you know, after you've ovulated and if you have ovulated, what you should see in that temperature, waking temperature? Uh, Yeah. So body temperature is a good regulator to see if you're actually producing progesterone. Um, Post ovulation, your temperature should go up about a degree or half a degree Celsius. And that is coming from the increase in progesterone and progesterone is very thyroid supportive. So having that bump or that increase basically improves metabolic rate. So you will be warmer. So if you are mid cycle and you aren't getting that temperature bunch, that bump bunch, temperature (laughs) bump, (laughs) then it's very likely that you are not ovulating. And so a lot of women who think they are because they can still have, they can still bleed um, without essentially having ovulation. So they think they are because they're having a bleed, but then after kind of taking their temperature and pulse and regulating it through their entire cycle, you realize that they're actually not ovulating. So they're not producing that progesterone. And, you know, that would make a lot of sense. You, then you can start to figure out, hey, this is maybe why you're not becoming fertile. And this is my, why you might be still feeling dysregulated. And this is why you might be having a lot of estrogen excess issues or estrogen dominance issues. Um, you're just not producing any progesterone. So uh, just as an example, if your temperature was, you know, in the optimal range and it was 36.5 upon waking in the follicular phase, if you've ovulated, you'd like to see a half a degree increase to a degree. So as an example, your new waking temperature after ovulation would be 37 degrees. Correct. Right. Yeah. Like if right. And, and if you're doing Fahrenheit, right. So if you're mm. waking like 97.5 and then you are now going through ovulation that you would go a whole degree up. So it would go up to mm-hmm. 98.5. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's essentially what's going to happen, you know, and, and that's an approximation. And it's also good to know that sometimes it doesn't happen like immediately post ovulation. It might take a few days as well. So note that you're like, Hey, I didn't increase, but this pay attention. It can happen two or three days later. And that's when you're going to get that bump. But if you're going your entire cycle with no change in your morning temp, then that's an issue. Mm. I think too, like, and if people want to read more, like a good book that I, or a few good books that we recommend in our program is I'm um, taking charge of your fertility in the fifth vital sign. So if you're tracking your cycle, you should see that cervical mucus. And then once you ovulate, that will dry up. Um, so, you know, you can, there's different things that you can track and monitor like fertility awareness. Cause I think a lot of women are like, Oh, but Kitty, I don't want to fall pregnant. So I just need to take the pill. But once you've actually really tracked your cycle closely and you can, you can, you can really see the patterns too, and the shifts in the temperature and you see the cervical mucus and it's actually not that hard to, um, to track. It's really easy to take your temperature every morning, you know? Very. It's a, I mean, t- that's what temperature pulls are so great. It's such an mm. easy tool for you to track without having to go get tons of blood work. Cause everyone's like, Oh, I got my blood work done and my mm. progesterone levels. And should I do the serum levels or the, the mm. saliva levels? And I'm like, or you could just take your temperature and pulse in the morning. And that's going to pretty much give you a, a, a good understanding if you are producing and ovulating for sure. Mm. Mm. Um, so what about if let's say, 
you are, let's talk at actually some things that can suppress ovulation first. So like, you know, stress, right? Stress is a big one. Overexercise. A lot of women come to us, they're training six, seven days a week. They're not fueling their body. So any sort of stress, what else can affect it? Yeah. Well, you have to think of ovulation is a huge metabolic I mean, it's taking a lot of fuel. I mean, your body's trying to give itself some time. It's, it's producing an egg, releasing it into your system to get ready for you to be pregnant. And that takes a lot of energy and your body's trying to prepare for that. And if you are basically under stress or over-exercising or diet or restricting carbs or anything that's going to place additional stress on your system, then hormone function is one of the things that's just going to go off to the side, right? We don't need that. You don't need to procreate to survive. You don't need to, other things like digestion either. I mean, a lot of these things break down when our body is utilizing fuel in every, uh, all these other directions, right? Like exercise, it takes mm. a huge amount of fuel. Or if you're not sleeping, or if you're working 80 hours a week, or if you're in a stressful relationship, or you've been in mm. confinement for a year. I mean, all of these things take a toll on your system and all of those can mess up your cycle. I've had a client, she got a cortisone shot and that alone was enough stress for her not to have a, a, a period for three or four months, right? Or, I mean, I've had countless people just from excessive dieting and stressing their systems or being in, in not have enough sun, you know, mm-hmm. and being in a cold environment that can throw their cycle off. So mm-hmm. we have to be aware that our body is always trying to be in balance and having a, month, a monthly menstrual cycle is part of us showing that we are in balance. And by altering it either by a period or, you know, when I, I was 20 ish, 21, um, I overexercised and dieted and I didn't have my period for six plus months. Right now. Mm. I honestly did not have a very good understanding of really what was happening other than awesome. I don't have a period. That is amazing. I don't care. Um, <laughs> you know, now in hindsight, I realized how unhealthy my system was at that time, but at the time I, I just didn't know. And sometimes you do think, I don't care. It's just great. I don't have to deal with this. Um, but it, it's, it's not a sign that your body is running the, in, in the right direction. It's not a sign of health to not have a period. Yeah, I was, I was the same. I was actually thinking about it the other day and there was times like you were six or seven months, I wouldn't get a period, but also, and now that obviously I know more, I was, I, I believe I was having a lot of, um, like I was bleeding, but not ovulating because I would have these super light, super short periods, like really light bleeding. And obviously it's not good to have really heavy bleeding, but it's also too light bleeding is not good either. Um, But which makes sense now because I was just, you know, eating 1200 calories, (laughs) you know, going out, not eating all weekend and taking drugs and then training and just doing all sorts of stupid shit to my, to my body. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, in certain people, like, you know, when you are younger and if your body is somewhat healthy and you can uh, put all these stressors upon it, it it might still be able to manage it, you know? And as we get older and we get into their perimenopause and and menopause, you know, that again is another stress, right? Then when we actually don't have a period or, and that's a stress on our system because now our hormones are going to dysregulate again. And again, Mm -hmm. if we have more stress on our system, um, and now we're producing even less progesterone, right? And that's why women just go a little bit nuts into those periods because they're so dysregulated, right? They're basically progesterone is zero. Um, mm-hmm. Their body is still producing copious amounts of estrogen in the tissue. And so they're going to be way dysregulated. And so, you know, you, everything has to stay in balance. And when, you, when your body's going through certain situations in life and your cycle and so forth, 
you always have to bring it back to, okay, what am I doing and stressing my system? How do I get my body back to regulating? What do I need to do? What is possibly happening here that's creating this imbalance? And, you know, and, and there are a lot of things you can do to try and kind of equalize things. It's amazing. Like I'll get messages all the time just from like on Instagram, women in our programs messaging, we're going, oh my God, Kitty, like I used to see it horrendous. Um, cramps and PMS I've just got my period and it just turned up and it was normal bleeding and no cramps and you know it just amazes me for a lot of women how quickly things can improve once they you know dial back the exercise and start to eat more food and get the right nutrients in like you say get sun Um, and I guess can you talk about then you know estrogen and progesterone and how it balances it out and why women become and you sort of talked about it estrogen dominant and some of the symptoms that you can experience well i think first you have to reference that estrogen is not the female hormone that it is a stress hormone and it is produced under high amounts of stress um for a lot of people well not a lot i mean the areas it's produced obviously in the ovaries in the adrenals but it's also produced in your fat tissue And when it's in the tissue, it stays in the tissue. So it's not necessarily you're going to see copious amounts in the blood. Um, It's, it's in the tissue and for estrogen to actually pull from the tissue, we, we need an equals amounts of progesterone or we need progesterone. Um, And so you'll see that with a lot of people that are very low in progesterone and, and they are showing signs of low estrogen and they might, right. You're because, and they, and they take a blood lab and they actually see that they are low in estrogen. And so they think they need to go on estrogen supplementation, but ultimately, and I, and I know um, there's lots of research on this that they've actually shown that they've removed ovaries from rats and she'll show mm. that they've had adequate amount of estrogen. And the reason being is you are producing it in the tissue. It's just in the tissue and, and estrogen is active in the tissue. It's not active in the blood, right? The blood is just a transportation system. And usually it's excreting through the system when it's in the blood. So we need to, adequate amounts of progesterone to actually pull that estrogen from the tissue. And from my understanding, if your tissue is super saturated with estrogen, then you actually need to work on other things. And that's when you'll see that women can actually take lots and lots of progesterone and not respond. And it's just because that estrogen is not being able to get out of the tissue. So at that point in time, you need to do other things like reduce stress that like help the support liver function and, and, and gut function to help try and regulate and get some of this stuff out of you. Um, at that point in time, you know, you have to try it. And a lot of people, they might need thyroid support to help get that estrogen out. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of moving parts, you know, and sometimes that's why getting these blood labs can kind of throw people off, you know, or they go and look and say, Oh, I, you know, I need estrogen. And I personally, and, you know, and I'm sure there are people that maybe actually do need it, but quite honestly, I have not seen it where someone actually needs additional estrogen. Usually what they need is to regulate estrogen better, pull estrogen from the tissue. So it usually means supporting thyroid function, gut liver function, possibly getting on progesterone to help support getting rid of it. And sometimes when you do do that, sometimes when you get them on some progesterone therapy, um, you will see them have estrogen dominant issues. Yeah, we, like we see that. Amounts of that often it'll it'll get worse but then it'll get better so yeah. like as there's tissues start to start, start to mobilize that stored estrogen they'll get some pms symptoms for a few months and then if they keep being consistent they're like oh it usually will um get better so would you say and because you and i were having a conversation about this over messenger because of that podcast i was listening to with ray and jodell about estrogen and you know he was talking about how really it's impossible to be deficient in estrogen 
right. just about. Yeah. And again, I mean, I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't sit there and talk, but I've normally, I have found if you support other functions, you mm. know, of a female without giving or having them go on some sort of estrogen that you can regulate them um, in another way without saying, okay, let's put you on estrogen. And it's not to say a lot of women can get on estrogen therapy and they do feel better because you're giving, putting some estrogen into their system and progesterone and it's starting to regulate. But in my mind, it's like, hey, you still got all that estrogen in your tissue, right? And ultimately as you get older, no one really needs more estrogen. It's a growth hormone. It's redu it's, it increases under stress, right? It's there to build things like tumors and, you know, and, and, and your, and the, uh, lost my train of thought. But it, that's its main purpose, right? It's to build mm. breast tissue, right? It's to, to build tissue. And so as you get older, it's not something that we generally need in copious amounts, but we do need to regulate it. Mm, I think, and we did, I did a good podcast um, with Keith, with Tomo on uh, menopause too. So I think, you know, we get a lot of women in our program who are in their forties and fifties. So they're going through perimenopause or menopause and a lot of women, and I think it's a common misconception that their menopausal symptoms are, called, are caused by an excess um, or, sorry, um, a lack of estrogen. And they think that they need more estrogen. I actually recorded a really good session with um, Georgie on this, and it's in our Winner Life program with just some info around some of his supplements. And, you know, he just blows your mind with his knowledge. But, yeah, if you maybe we can talk a little bit about, about that about what's happening when, you know, you're obviously starting to reach perimenopause and then you finally reach menopause, what's happening with your cycles and then why it's an excess of estrogen, not a deficiency in estrogen that's causing those symptoms. Yeah. I mean, menopause is essentially marked by the failure to produce progesterone. It's not marked by a failure to produce estrogen um, because, you know, progesterone or it, you're not producing progesterone in your cycle any longer because you're not bleeding. So you're not having that latter big pump of progesterone into your system any longer. And so we have to remember our adrenals are still producing progesterone and progesterone is basically the foundation of all our other hormone, our other steroidal hormones, estrogen, testosterone, aldosterone, and so forth. And so under stress, right, progesterone is going to increase estrogen and cortisol. Those are going to kind of take over. And so under stress, we're going to produce plenty of that. And we're also going to produce estrogen into the tissue because that's where it's produced. So basically progesterone is kind of a side note, right? It's still the foundational hormone, but we're just, un because now we're under stress, we're just not producing enough of it. And so there's never a time in there that, you know, now because we're not having a cycle, we're not getting that big burst any longer. And so that's where women are going to start feeling all crappy and they all, you know, and because again, the, the reason that the doctors are saying that you're low in estrogen is solely based on the blood lab. That's how they're diagnosing you. They're not looking in your tissue. They're not seeing how much estrogen is saturated in your tissue. And that's where estrogen is most active. And that's what it's most important. And so again, they're using some information that is telling you something that maybe not exactly is true. And so when we actually look at what's happening in menopause and now you don't have a cycle and the main hormone that you're not producing any longer is progesterone, then we have to go back to the, see the function of that balance between estrogen and progesterone. And now there's a lack of progesterone. And so estrogen stays in the tissue. And until we pull that progesterone up, that's where estrogen is going to stay. Mm -hmm. Let's, um, to finish off, talk about, um, 
because I guess there's two parts to it. One, how we can support our body in the detoxification of estrogen, excess estrogen. And then two, how we can support um, ovulation and progesterone product production. And, you know, something that I see a lot in our, when women's first start our program is, you know, cause they've just done so many years of stupid dieting and I was the same. They're just not pooing, you know, like it'll be two, three, four days. I used to be so conservated. Now it's, and this is again, too much information, but it's me and I'm just going to say it. Um, Craig, Craig and I will sit down and have breakfast in the morning. And he's like, you just, he's like, sometimes I think kitty, like you just so much information. He's, we'll sit, be sitting there and I'll be halfway through my breakfast, having my coffee. And I'll be like, oh, you know, you can, it's like <laughs> it's time to go. And then there's a bathroom that's down in our like next to our kitchen. And so I go in and I do my poo and he's like, you know, I just love sitting here having my breakfast, listening to you doing your poo. And then you come out and you're like, well, that was just the best poo. Oh, I feel so much better. I'm like, oh, you know, when you just have that amazing poo, like you do those big poos and it just fully empties and you just, and this is actually another thing I've noticed too, is when I'm eating really well, is that I notice my poo doesn't smell that much. Like it actually smells quite like clean. I know that sounds so weird, but then it, there'll be other times when I like if we'll go out, you know, we have some takeaway or, you know, not so optimal foods because I'm not, I'm not perfect. Then my poo will be smelling, you know, we get a bit gassy and my poo will smell really yucky. Um, but anyway, back to the, <laughs> everyone's probably like, it, okay. It's usually if that Thanks transit time. Thanks very much, Kitty. Yeah. But if, if your transit time is, is slower, you know, it's like anything, it's just probably sitting in a warm festering. body, festering in there. Yeah. And so the quicker it, it's kind of moving through you, then, you know, yeah, it probably has less time to ferment in your system and, you know, or, or whatever's in there that's creating that, that stank smell. But I mean, that's why, yeah, that's why it is good to have at least a daily bowel movement to get things out of you. That's, you know, you're getting toxicities out of you. You're getting stuff that your, your liver is dumping and you're getting it through your gut, you know, that outside of, you know, urination and sweat and, and, and pooing is, is a big part of how you get the toxicity out of you. Your body's constantly trying to detoxify it to keep it regulated and trying to get excess estrogen out of you is, yeah, you want to poop it out, right? That's why that mm. carrot salad is so very important, right? Cause it, we love it the carrot salad. get that estrogens out of you and gets it out. Right. And, and I think that's kind of, you know, when you like think about progesterone, yes, the detoxification is very important. You know, the production is also very important. I think people need to understand that like progesterone is produced from your cholesterol. You need things like uh, vitamin A, which is super important. Liver, everyone, liver, liver, liver. This is why we're always banging on about the bloody liver. So either eat the fresh liver or take the, as I do, take the saturate uh, liver capsules, just get, get it in, get it in however you can. You, yeah, you need to get animal source retinol in your diet. And so it's like whole milk, eggs, liver. I mean, egg yolks have a very uh, similar uh, nutrient um, as liver. It's just not mm. as much. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like at least you're getting those egg yolks in and you're getting some whole milk in, then, you know, at least you're getting some. But yes, liver is going to give you a big bang for the buck. So it's definitely need to go there. And then the other thing is you need active thyroid. Um, so again, if your liver's backed up or for some reason you're not converting or you don't have enough sugar in your diet to convert that inactive thyroid to active thyroid, you know, then you're going to have a problem producing your steroidal hormones. And that could be, you could show that if you have super high cholesterol, you might not be mm-hmm. converting. So these are all super important to make sure it, and you're getting the building blocks, right? So then if you're producing progesterone, 
is it staying in that form or are you super stressed and it's having to convert into things like estrogen and cortisol, you know, and that, that's why you always have to take your stress into consideration. That is a huge part of the equation um, to help keep you regulated. And if you are super stressed, and that's why I say, I go, hey, if you're super stressed and you're just surviving right now and that's okay, it's not a good time to probably get pregnant. It's not mm -hmm. a good time for a lot of these things because your body is just not in a good place. Um, you can try to do it, it, but it will probably be more taxing on your system and it might be a harder pregnancy. Um, but, you know, we have to take those things into consideration. So knowing that once you produce your progesterone, um, then things that are going to help improve progesterone is having good liver support because um, that's where cholesterol is pr produced, um, making sure you're getting enough of those uh, animal proteins and B vitamins, um, which I'm surprised you guys haven't made a B vitamin yet, but okay, that's another talk. Georgie's um, got a good one. I think if people want to, I took it after I had the breast explant for a few months. The Energen. Yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, we recommend yeah. that to clients if you're looking for a yeah. good one. Yeah, but again, yeah. it's all about the liver because liver contains tons of B vitamins, right? Mm. Because actually the, the thing that is needed to support liver in your body, it, you know, is where it's all held anyway. So that liver, you know, B vitamins. Eat the liver. Eat yeah. the liver. Bottom point. <laughs> um. Well, actually, Kate, just quickly before we go back to the pooing, one thing that we also um, like to use with clients when they initially start is the cascara. Um, you know, if they're really having trouble pooing while they're trying to improve things, we found that the um, cascara sagrada is is amazing. Um, we actually, Emma, amazingly was able to source it from Farm Labor, the one that, you know, Ray recommends um, from Italy. And I think when you're choosing cascara, it's really important that you get that specific well-aged, you know, don't go and buy the crappy um, ones off the shelf. We actually sent some to Ray and he, we got really good feedback, which was um, awesome. But I think I really like cascara. I think it's good to have in your toolkit. Like I'll use it sometimes if we go away and I can't take the carrot salad or like if I, I find that if I eat sourdough, like it does make me a bit gassy and will back me up. So I just have it infrequently. But if I have some sourdough, I'll usually have just a little bit of the cascara and it just, you know, keeps things going. Yeah. So you only yeah. need the tiniest bit too, but it's super potent. Yeah. And I think those things are good to take when you're traveling to and travel and things messes mm. you up and so forth. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's always best if you can, if you can ideally get your system working without tons of supplements, that's ideal. And then mm. you use the other tools when you need to use them. Right. Mm -hmm. But uh, yes, if you are constipated all the time, it is way better to use a supplement to get yourself moving than to just stay constipated and just wait. Right. No, we need mm. to get you moving. I mean, that's going to make you feel better and it's going to start getting a lot of these toxicities out of you. We found too that like they'll use it to begin with and then taper it off and not have to use it and only use it sporadically, you know, obviously yep. as they eat more and improve thyroid function and everything starts to get moving and working again and they just have the carrot salad or the mushrooms. I think the carrot salad is probably the, the, che it's the cheapest, I reckon. The cheapest carrots are so cheap, aren't they? Like yeah. And I, and I think, I, yeah, and, and make sure, and because and I've had this question a few times with people because they're like, hey, I'm taking the carrot salad and I'm having... I'm having like a, an irritation or, and then I find out that they're using um, unrefined coconut oil mm -hmm. and a lot of people have issues with the fibers and coconut oil. So, Hey, if you're a sensitive human, um, use refined coconut oil, it removes the fibers. And so that's going to be a little bit easier on your system. So if you're finding you're having some issues with like the carrot salad, make sure you're using refined coconut oil. Mm, yeah. We've had that too with some people. 
Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The different bodies and what affects Craig's just heaps more sensitive than me. He's like, no, oh, yeah, like a bloody ox, you know, your guts are like a bloody. <laughs> Except when I want, we've got this curry paste in Australia. It's so awesome. It's this really good brand and it's, they've got a really good red one and a green one and it's just chili and like all natural, no crap in it. And it's the most amazing flavor. But I didn't realize like you only need the smallest amount. And I remember the first time I made it, holy shit, like within an hour, <laughs> it was just like, poof, like went straight through me. We've got this bit of a joke message between me and Vic Hoskin and um, Andrea, this lady that's been in our program from day one. She's been in the program for as long as it's been going. And um, I was like, oh, God, don't need cascara. Just eat some of this bloody curry powder. It was incredible. It's delicious though, but obviously just need to eat a bit less. Sorry, that was a bit sidetracked. So, okay, we've got to pass the poos, um, the liver. Yeah, so for, for, for progesterone production, yeah, yeah, you still want to support ovaries, thyroid, testes, uh, adrenals, because all of those are basically uh, uh, making progesterone. And so that means consuming high mineral foods. And that's when, again, the liver, but also things like shellfish and oysters and fruits and dairy, because you want all those minerals are very supportive when you're having ovulation. Um, thyroid hormone obviously is needed for the, the cholesterol conversion. And then of course, uh, healthy sugars are foundational, right? All this stuff runs with energy. The liver runs with energy and needs enough glucose to run and to, to convert thyroid. And all of your ovaries, adrenals all need proper support so they're not being super taxed. So getting enough sugar in your diet is imperative if you want optimal progesterone production. Um, and again, we talked about obviously eating foods with vitamin A, that's certainly needed. Um, Can we just go back and say, because some people might listen and say, sugar, what do you mean sugar? When Kate says sugar, nutrient-dense sources, fruits, orange juice, raw honey, root veggies, then you can have some white sugar, but obviously like not 10 cups of just white sugar. Yeah, no, it's not. And I I will say this, uh, people that have been severely deficient and cannot digest a lot of things, um, they have to use more white sugar initially just to get their bodies going and, or honey, but even that can be taxing to people. But, you know, we need to remember that sugar can be utilized as a tool. And for some people it's, it's actually needed more of it to kind of get them going. Cause again, we're trying to get fuel in their tank and, and sometimes in any other delivery source, it seems to create some sort of irritation. So, um, Everything in context is super important there, you know, and, and, and I think we all need to try to understand that nothing is the same for everybody. And some people it, it just works well with, and some people, yeah, they can't even do any. So um, we just always need to kind of take that person into consideration. Awesome. All right. Well, got to wrap it up because I've already late for another call, but that was two things I just got to say real quick, two things, uh, sunlight, make sure you get enough because we need the sunlight for, and it's very anti-stress and again, ultimately reduce your stress. Right. And I mean, I don't, I know we've talked about it and we have people come and they may be eating a good diet and they are, they get so much stress on their, their plate. And they're like, I don't understand why I'm not having a cycle. Um, you have to look at that. That is going to be a big part of you and your progesterone production. I think we might do another podcast on that. That's probably another good topic for next time. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Thanks so much, Kate. Thanks again. And um, we'll chat to you again soon. Sounds good. Bye. Thanks for having me.